Yes, he did. You may be seated. If they are going to help me there, I know I didn't give them my scriptures to help on the computer, but basically, first couple of places is going to be Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 41, and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 10, 41, and 42. It's a privilege to preach. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, <clears throat> with the exceptions of those that we very much ourselves are in prayer for that are sick. We thank God that he's able to raise them up. And with the exception of those who are in a work and can't help it situation, we pray that God would bless them and work things out for them to be able to be at church as soon as possible. And with the exception of those who are just in some other grievous, impossible situation, everybody that's here on Sunday ought to be here on Wednesday. <laughs> and it's such, great, such a good thing to see a good crowd here tonight. I'm very pleased and very happy. I can tell you this, um, what is preached on a Wednesday night can very easily spread throughout a church, uh, even if there was a smaller group, even if there is or was a smaller group on a midweek it can spread throughout the church. Just think of how quickly something terrible that would be said or done would spread throughout the church. How much more so should it be that something wonderful said or done should spread throughout the church? <laughs> Amen. And that's what we always count on. It's what pastor counts on, our evangelists count on, that we... It always spreads throughout the church. I believe that uh, people who are actual, I'm, I mean members of the church, we are infectious. <laughs> we have a way of just passing it from person to person. And I love what I feel in the house of God and the good worship. Thank God. Thank God for our young people. I'll take a group of young people that will just keep on pressing forward in spite of ups and downs and troubles and trials. Just keep on pressing forward. And I appreciate a church and families and marriages and so forth that in spite of ups and downs, just keep on pressing forward. That's what it takes. I hope you are not fully, completely surprised. I'm not going to talk to you about the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, or the Tooth Fairy. But I hope you won't be too surprised if I break the news to you that people have ups and downs. <laughs> people have the best of days and sometimes not quite the best of days. But God expects us, and he has put it within us, to be infectious. That the people who have a touch of God and victory in their soul, have an opportunity to let that spread throughout the church Amen. until the whole church is rolling and roaring with Holy Ghost revival. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 41, Jesus giving some instructions and explaining some things about how the kingdom of God works, how it all works. He that receiveth a prophet, <clears throat> acknowledging that he is a prophet, shall receive a piece of the prophet's reward. Did I miss that? Of course I missed it. He that receiveth the prophet, acknowledging that he is a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. So, oh, wow, I wish I could be a prophet. Well, if we receive a prophet and acknowledge that person as to who he is, we will receive the same reward that prophet receives. And I've, I found this Bible that there are going to be various levels of rewards given. And in my humble opinion, I believe the judgment seat of Christ is where that will happen. The Bible said we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul was talking to the church and all people. And yet, there's another, the Bible calls, calls it that, that last resurrection, that general resurrection. After the church has been caught away. This is not somebody's writing in a commentary. This is Bible. We shall be caught up to meet him in the air. So wherever you want to put it, wherever you want to say it, it's going to happen exactly like the Bible said. And I personally believe it's going to happen very soon. So today is the day to recognize when somebody has got a hold of God, when a, when, when a man or woman of God has got a, have a calling on their life to fulfill the will of God in their life, and we acknowledge that he is a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. In the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says, describes that as a place where people will receive, where we'll, we'll find what type of reward they will receive. Somebody has built their life and their work for God out of haywood and stubble, and even though they'll be saved, there'll be no reward. If they built their house, their life, their ministry, their walk with God out of gold, precious stones and so forth, then they'll receive a great reward because they're, they're, what they've done for God will last. It will endure. Yeah. The Apostle Paul, no doubt, was speaking among apostles and other preachers when he said that, but there is the, there's plenty of good reason for me to see in the Bible that God looks at all of us as the body of Christ. Amen. And there is reward. The judgment seat of Christ is that for those who will not be determined whether they go to heaven or hell, you're not going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ if you hadn't already been saved in the rapture. Tonight I'm bold enough to say what I'm saying tonight is just as correct as anybody on the top of the earth. 
But that great last, that great white throne judgment at the very end, when all men should be judged according to their works, and all men should be judged whether they will, and and that there, it will all come up before him. He will those there will be those who will hear him say, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you." They'll be cast into the lake of fire with Satan and all of his burning angels and fallen angels, and they will forever be tormented. But the great, but the judgment seat of Christ are those that are in Christ that are caught up in the catching up of the church. And there's that day of seeing what the reward shall be. And I can guarantee you that you will care on that day whether there is a reward or not. And I'm not sure what it will mean to us all, but I know that you will care on that day. You know, our children, if they grow up in school, and I know a lot about this Christian school, and I know that sometimes the children, when they're in the you know, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, they, oh, I don't care, I don't care. But well, when it comes, award night, award ceremony. I mean, I, I have been, I'm going to let a secret out, and I don't, I'm sure they don't do it this way anymore, surely. But I have been in the meetings in the last 30-some years, way back, I have been in meetings. Well, we were just trying to make up a reward to give somebody because they were the only in the class that were going to receive a reward. That's right. We were just scratching our heads trying to figure out, okay, let's give them a didn't-look-too-ugly award or something. Let's just give them something. We've got to find an award to give this person. We, we can't let this be the only person in the class not to receive an award because you hear me. There have been years gone by. I'm not pastoring more. Get mad at me. Don't get mad at nobody else. There's been times gone by when both parents and children were very upset because that child did not receive a reward, an award. So I say, you may think tonight, oh, as long as I'm in heaven, I don't care if the judgment seat of Christ gives me a award or not. I can tell you for sure, you will care then. So tonight, I'm not necessarily speaking merely of eternal salvation. I'm speaking of something a little bit higher than that. I am speaking of a child of God that intends to be the best they can be in God. And when they meet and see Jesus face to face, they're not going to be intimidated. They're going to look him in the eye and run with all their feet will carry them and jump and hug his neck and say, Jesus, I'm glad to see you. Woo! So glad I made it here. I want to tell you, whatever you're feeling tonight, I'm telling you there's a day when we finally make it over there and then there's no more troubles and there's no more trials and there's no more mistakes and there's no more downfalls and pitfalls and troubles in family or in marriage or in finances or in body or in health. We're going to be happy to be over there and we're going to be glad to hear him say, well done. And we're going to be glad to hear him say, You have a reward. 
The next verse 42 says, And whosoever shall give to drink, just a little something to drink unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water only, in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, who shall in no wise lose his reward. There is coming a day of rewards. And whatever it's going to mean, we don't, any of us know yet, but I know there's enough in this Bible that lets me know it is going to mean a lot to us when that time and place happens. And this message is for you tonight. May I say to you that actually give a hoot. Just forget I said that. <laughs> Matthew 16, on down a little bit in Matthew. Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and said to his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do people say? The general public. 14th verse, they say, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Like come back from the dead. Or some say you're Elias, or others maybe even say you're Jeremiah, Jeremiah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets who has come back. And of course, the Bible did say he would come in the spirit of Elijah, he would come in the spirit of the prophet. When Jesus spoke of men, he was simply referring to people, of course, that's male and female in general. But he makes it plain that there's a difference between just what people think and what you think. We need to get beyond what just people think and really get down to what I think, what you think about Jesus. When I say about Jesus, I'm talking about, about Jesus, about how we applied ourselves to him how much we loved him, and right now, right now, the closest authority to Jesus' authority that you're going to get right now in human form, in human form, is the pastor. In human form, Jesus is always in spiritual form. And the pastor could never measure to that in here and amen. But whenever he spoke in verse 15 and said unto them, But whom do ye say that I am? And when he said ye, he didn't mean, I know he was speaking to, his, he was speaking to all of his disciples, not just one, not Peter only. So anyone could have spoken up. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Jesus asked, whom do ye say I am? He was being very specific to a special people that really knew him. And I want to say to each of us, it matters that we know Jesus. It matters of what level that we walk with him. And it's going to matter more and more as time comes and goes. It really is going to matter more and more as time goes. This world is going to reel and rock, is now and is going to. 
This world is propped up on a just a nothing more than a house of cards or, or matchsticks right now. And only Jesus, the government can print all the paper money they want to, but I'm telling you, only Jesus Christ is keeping this earth afloat. Only Jesus Christ. And that is only for his divine purpose. It is not just for one, but it is for his divine purpose. And we can sing, wait a little longer, please, Jesus, till we get our loved ones in. And we certainly want our loved ones in. But when Jesus says it's time, and he says time shall be no more, we need to be busy now doing our best to get our loved ones in. I guess I, I, don't, I don't believe it's just because I'm getting older. I believe that there's a reason why that I'm becoming more and more stirred up and emotional about my lost loved ones. I'm looking at this world and I'm realizing it's teeter-tottering right now on the brink of a tip-over and only Jesus Christ is holding it up. And people out there don't know it, but God's people above all people you see what we're looking at here. Jesus said, who do they say I am? Oh, they say this and that. Jesus says, who do you say I am? You see, God's church ought to see things different than the rest of the people. We ought to see some things that nobody else sees. We ought to feel some things that nobody else feels. Really, we ought to. And that gets us stirred up. That gets, us, gets our emotions going. That gets us our prayer life going. That gets us thinking about the coming of the Lord and being ready ourselves and trying to help others be ready. This pastor is, it could, is doing a fine job and this church is growing and the good things are happening and he is being a good pastor, not only in just preaching behind this pulpit, but as I know for absolute beyond any shadow of a doubt that there's only a small percentage of what a pastor is that happens behind the pulpit. And from when I, when I realize what a good pastor we have here, and yet he is taking upon himself more and more and more to try to inspire us to do more and more to reach lost souls, Jesus is coming soon. He is. He's coming soon. Praise the Lord Jesus. There are situations we can find ourselves in where we kind of lose that shyness. We lose that quietness. We find our t tongue and we say, look out! Get ready! Watch out! Jesus is coming! Oh! Could I preach this any better if I got on the pews and walked back to the back? Could I preach it any better? If I walked over here, back here, and preached it, could I preach it any better? I might do it. We got to be ready. Oh, church is not a place to come and just mess around. Church is a place to come to be stirred up 
We don't take four or five hours. We don't take eight hours of your time like your job, Mike. We just take a couple of hours and, or an hour and a half and say, get ready. Be built up. Get stirred up. Be stronger. Let your faith be more steadfast. Be ready. Jesus said you ought to see something more than they see. They say maybe this, maybe that about Jesus. But Jesus said, who do you say? They say, we can tell you. Whom do you say I am? Verse 15, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. They saw more than what just people saw. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, my Father which is in heaven, only through spiritual means. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow. All this comes, just comes like a fountain, like a gushing geyser out of Jesus' heart and from his mouth because Peter simply said, I know who you are. Amen. It's not just what he said, she said, they said. I know who you are. I know you. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. I know who you are. I'm looking at flesh and blood, the blessed flesh and blood that Jehovah God prepared for himself to dwell in. And I'm looking at flesh and blood, the Son of the living God, who is outwardly the Son of God, inwardly God himself. He said, the blessed of the he said, I, verse 19 now. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Folks, I guarantee one thing. It suddenly mattered to Peter that he knew who Jesus was. It mattered. It matters who we believe Jesus is today. It really matters. It matters the kind of spirit that we have within us. It matters. And I know that we raised three children. I know that sometimes children, you want them to do the best they can do, and sometimes they break your heart. And they turn out most of the time to be wonderful children, but there are those moments where they can just break your heart. But we need to put our trust in God. We need to not stumble. We need to stay steadfast and put our trust in God. God makes a difference. Who we align ourselves with, this is what I'm talking about now. Who that we align ourselves with makes all the difference. Who we align ourselves with, it makes a big difference. We simply cannot play around with, what do I? Do I believe Jesus is God? Do I believe he's just only, only the Son of God, only? Do I believe that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead? Do I believe that Jesus is uh, a good man, a prophet? Do I believe that Jesus is maybe like Muhammad or Buddha or something? Just who is Jesus to me? And Jesus asked this very straightforward question to the Apostle Peter. 
it, and, and Peter aligned himself with the trueness and the true revelation of who Jesus is and what great power. And he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We know we could take a long time on those keys, but we won't do it now. But just it's, it's suffice, suffice to say, should suffice us to just say that it's a big deal. Now, there was a time in Israel, I'll just preach by the clock like I usually do. But there was a time in Israel, in the Old Testament now, let me go back, when there was a, a little, humble, faithful, hard-working man that had a gorgeous vineyard. That vineyard just so happened to be that it was in a position so that when the king of Israel continued to enlarge their palace, the king's house. They kind of added a room here and added great patios and great porches and great porticos. And they just kept adding. till finally they come to the, to the line, the property line, and there was Naboth's vineyard. And here's Jezebel and Ahab, and they need a little more room. And this... This Naboth, who owned this vineyard that was right against the property line of the great palace or king's home there, he'd never done anything to hurt anybody. He just he, he worked his vineyard, probably was somewhat upper middle class, maybe a little more. Took, he worked hard, took, you know, just paid his bills, minded his own business. But Jezebel wanted that vineyard. It was he had worked so hard and made it so nice that of course Jezebel wanted it. We know when you have nice things, of course people want it. They didn't work for it, but they just want it. But Naboth worked. He had a beautiful vineyard, and Jezebel said, "I want that." And so it was that. Ahab worked it out to where that he found some false witnesses against Naboth and, and penalized him to death and sentenced him to death by stoning because of trumped-up false charges. Here's a man that is not on the city council. He just, he's got him a nice vineyard. He's just been there. For, it's been, it, it was very important that you didn't just sell and run here and there back in those days. It was important that you stayed on the same land that God had given your forefathers. Because when they came into the land of promise, God said, I'm going to give you this, and it's for you and for your generations after you. So it was important. And so Naboth stayed true. And even when they said, we will give you, we will buy it from you for many times more than it's worth if you'll just sell it to me, Ahab said. And I don't know if he said this to to uh, Naboth or not, but in his head he was saying, my wife is driving me crazy. She wants the vineyard. Please let me give you ten times, a hundred times what it's worth. And he said, no, because God said, I am supposed to keep my inheritance. Now I know people can have something long enough. I'm just talking to us tonight. We're home folk. I know that we can have something long enough that it don't mean what it used to mean. But to Naboth, Naboth, it meant what it always meant. 
I'm supposed to keep this. My father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, and every how far it goes back. God gave us this land when we come to the promised land, and I'm supposed to keep it. And I'm sorry, but if you want to build your little palace any higher, you better just start going up and make a skyscraper. <laughs> or you better go another direction because I cannot sell what I am not supposed to sell. Saints of God, we've just got to make up our mind that there are some things that we can't just get so used to them that we're willing to sell out. We can't just get so used to it that it don't mean that much. God's power is just as great today as it was before I was born. Before I was born, my father told the lame, the woman whose arm, this has happened to my father's young, young ministry, whose arm had been twisted since maybe birth, straighten out your arm, and this woman straightened out her arm, and it instantly was healed. My father, a family came by the church on the other side of town when my father was pastoring here. Actually, it wasn't the last time he pastored, but when he pastored a short time way back in the maybe uh, mid to late 40s. And so they came by the church, and the child's nose was bleeding so bad that they couldn't get it to stop. And they were afraid the child would bleed to death. And they tore it, come by the house, and, and they found the church and said, Please pray for my child. And my father prayed for that child, and his nose stopped bleeding. And they went on traveling with their long trip up north. And when they finally got a phone, they called back and said, Our child's nose hadn't bled again since you prayed. I'm talking about a God that is the same today as he was back then. And the same back then as he was in this good book, the Bible. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The all-powerful God. He never changes. You see, there was an identity there with this vineyard. And Naboth said, I can't sell it. And so they had him stoned to death on false charges. And so, and so everybody forgot about it and just the dust settled. And Naboth just kind of drifted into the people's faint memory. But God never forgot. Ahab lived. And finally, Ahab's out fighting a great war. And God says, your time's up, Ahab. The Bible said an archer, we don't even know how many hundreds of yards away he may have been. He was maybe in or maybe not even in or part of the war. He may have just been out deer hunting. But the Bible said a bowman, an archer, just drew his bow by venture. It means he just closed his eyes and just pulled it back and went, Gwing! And here's Ahab and all his armor. He's clad. He's got, like we would see with like military and police, Bulletproof here and there and, and helmet on, but somehow that arrow found the true mark right between that armor and went right into Ahab's body and killed him. He sagged down in his chariot and bled out. And then God said, that's not enough. Now you've got to find Jezebel. And he went to that great tower where they built that great tower, who knows, either right beside or right near our own Naboth's property. And he said, get that woman and throw her down. <laughs> 
He sent his servants and soldiers up there, and your husband is dead. There is nobody coming to help you, woman. You're going to come down at full speed. And they took that woman, and they took her. She probably had enough makeup on to make her fall twice as fast because she's the one that made makeup popular in the Bible. And they took her and tossed her out of the window until she splat on the ground. She was a wicked woman who was willing to kill an innocent Naboth just to have a little more property to enlarge her great palace that she had. But God had not forgotten. And God seen to it that she was taken out of the picture and off of this earth. And the Bible said the dogs gathered around down on the ground and licked up the blood and ate her body right down to the bone and left only what her hands and feet and ate everything else off of the skeleton of her body and probably drugged the bones around it was not pretty oh y'all could have stayed home and watched some kind of a gory movie but this is not a movie this is truth we're not interested in a gory movie. We're interested in truth. And this really happened. Then there was the time then that Jehu, who was involved in these things, Jehu was sitting in a, oh, we might call it a tavern, a restaurant, packed with people, oh, Gruffy men scraping their old gruffy beard, flipping out a grasshopper or something, who knows. Sitting around a table, elbows on the table, ripping off the meat off of some old wild beast. And Jehu walked into the room under the orders of the prophet of God. And he said to just say, Jehu, son of called his father's name, stand up. Jehu just stood up, and he said, now when he stands up, take him to a private room. And as soon as you get him in that private room away from everybody, you take that anointing oil, and you pop that thing open, and you pour that oil on him and let it run down and say, the Lord God has anointed you the new king of Israel. And after he had done that, God said, now, as soon as you do that, run! <laughs> we don't always have to be the tough guy. Just do what God says and run, you know. Sometimes that's what we feel like we've got to do. <laughs> that's probably what I'm going to do tonight. As soon as I get finished, I'm running! <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but that's what happened. And so Jehu heard that, and I can imagine. First thing he did was look around and see who heard that. But that's why God said, take him into a secret, quiet chamber. Anoint him and tell him. Jehu, when he heard that, he was greatly emboldened. He got in his chariot. I'm sure there's story, part of the story I'm leaving out, but I'm going to get to the main part. He got in his chariot because there had been a there had been just a just a little time, there had been some wars going on. And there, it was during the time when the, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two, Judah and then Israel, the rest of Israel. 
and the king of Israel, Joram. And he had been wounded and went back to a city called Jezreel to be healed of his wounds because the Syrians had wounded him. And then there was Ahaziah. He was king of Judah, the other part. And he went also down into Jezreel. He was a son of Ahab because he was very sick. And somebody watching on the tower got word to these sick and wounded kings <laughs> who were the descendants of Ahab. One of them was. And said, somebody is coming! And he's driving the chariot furiously. He is driving a chariot and dust is billowing up all around him. The horses are snorting and the wind is blowing through the hair. There's like a wild man driving a chariot. And the kings looked at each other and said, that sounds like Jehu. Ain't he the one that told him to throw Jezebel down? Somebody go out there. So the watchman sent somebody out to say, are you coming in peace or are you coming in, 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 in anger? And he just looked at that rider of that horse and said, get behind me and follow me and shut up. And they just kept on riding furiously. He sent the second horse out. And he come to him and said, are you, the kings want to know you're coming in anger or with a blessing. He says, just shut up and get behind me and ride. And they kept riding just furiously. And at some point the Bible says, they said, this man's driving furiously. It looks like the way Jehu drives. And then they begin to tremble and shake and say, this man is a powerful man. This man is afraid of nobody or nothing. What are we going to do about this? And so they sent the third rider out. And when he got, when this third rider got out there, he came up to, to, to uh, Jehu. And Jehu looked at him and felt something different about this one. And he said to him, as he was coming toward him to meet him, he saluted him and said to him, is thine heart as my heart is with thy heart? And this man's name was Jehonadab. And he answered and said, It is. He said, Well, then if it be, give me your hand. And he grabbed him off of his horse and yanked him over in the chariot with him. And right beside him, as he was driving this chariot furiously, ha! Dust boiling up, sweat running down, dust caking on his beard and his hair, spittle coming down. Ah, I'm coming to get you. Are you with me? I'm with you. Now, here's what I want to ask this church tonight. You see, back in the old stagecoach days, they had something similar to that. They had the stagecoach driver. And then they had a fellow set to the right of him. And that was called the shotgun position. That was a, what we used to do when I was a boy. And we'd run out to get in that old car. And we'd all run out calling, I got a shotgun. 
That means I got to sit in the up front seat. I got to sit by the front passenger window. I got to hold my arm out the window and be a big shot because I got shotgun. So I'm going to say to this Souls Harbor tonight, how many people do we have that are riding shotgun with a pastor? How many people do we have in this place tonight that can say, as your heart is, pastor, so is my heart with the Lord. As your heart is, pastor, so is my heart with the Lord. If you're for souls, I'm for souls. If you're for praying, I'm for praying. If you're for fasting, I'm for fasting. If you're for shouting, I'm for shouting. If you're for revival, I'm for revival. If you're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. Jehonadab, is your heart with my heart as my heart is with yours? Yes! Come on in the chariot ride shotgun. This is the kind of person, you may be seated, this is the kind of person I need in the chariot by me. I don't need that first one to come out here and say, who are you coming for? Are you mad? Are you in a good mood? I don't need that second rider to come out here and say, what about you? Are you mad? Are you in a good mood? Are you upset? What's wrong? No, I need somebody to come out here, and when I salute, you salute back. And when I say, as your heart with my heart, as my heart is with yours, you'll say, absolutely, 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 yes, it is. shotgun with a revivalist. We need some folks riding shotgun with a revival pastor. Jehonadab, is your heart with my heart? Yes, it is. Come with me, he said. Verse 16, he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. You know what Jehonadab means? It means a soldier as a volunteer soldier. It not only means a volunteer soldier, it means to present yourself spontaneously. It ain't, I need to go home and ask my wife. It ain't, I need to go home and, and have everybody vote. It ain't, oh, i got to go think about this a while because that's a pretty big commitment. It is a volunteer soldier who presents himself spontaneously. 
We need spontaneous prayer warriors. We need spontaneous people of worship. We need spontaneous revivalists. <laughs> Praise and rejoice. Rejoice with me, please. Rejoice with, uh, with me. Is your heart with my heart as my heart is with the Lord? Rejoice with me. I put a little, your pastor and his good wife, Sister Holly, are most certainly revivalists. Please be seated for another just a few more minutes. Oh. Romans chapter 12. How about let's just, Romans chapter 12, just verses 1 and 2 for now. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't think about it. Don't vote on it. Don't go. Don't just do it. A living sacrifice, holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two: Be not conformed to this world. Don't even think about it. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. <laughs> that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to try to run through them as fast as my tongue will let me. The Apostle Paul, in the closing, many times in the closing verses of his epistles, he would give salutations to special people. That helped him a lot or had a lot to do with that church's existence or growth. And just I just picked a couple of chapters. Some of y'all, if you've been here long enough, heard me teach on these, each one. But he named 26 just in the last part, latter part of Corinthians and the latter part of Romans when he's closing out. He mentioned 26 people by name that had helped that those churches become what they were. So they, nobody in this world knows more than your pastor knows growing up in a pastor's home that there's no pastor that builds a church by himself. And, and if you think that's true, and if you've been somehow been misled to believe that's true, forget it tonight. No pastor builds a church by himself. But it takes those Jehonadabs that says, my heart is with your heart. Let me ride shotgun with my revival pastor. Whether it's arrows, whether it's bullets, <laughs> whether it's tomahawks or whatever's coming my way, I'm going to stand there. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to blast away to do everything I can to let my pastor keep that carriage going and get us to the, to the destination that God has, that we're supposed to take this treasure to. We're going to get there, and I believe with all my heart this church is full of people that are just vibrating in your soul right now, saying, if it cost me my life, I'd do what we had to do to have revival with my pastor and with this church 
and with God's church worldwide. He mentioned the house of Stephanus, which started the church in Achaia. He mentioned Stephanus and Fortunus in Achaeus. He mentioned Phoebe, our sister, the servant of the church, the securer of many, and to myself also. He mentioned Priscilla and Aquila in Romans 16, and he, my helpers in Christ Jesus. He said, who have laid, who have for me laid down their own necks. They have literally been in a situation to where they were putting their head on the chop block for my ministry. Verse 6, greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andricus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. Some interpreters say of note among the apostles. Among the apostles means that they were actually apostles. But hello, Junia is a girl's name. So whether it means we had a female apostle, no, nah, that can't be. Don't, don't, don't be too sure. But whatever, I'm not too sure either, but you don't be too sure either. But Junia can also be translated Julia, and that's definitely a girl's name. But he said they are of note among the apostles. That may have meant they were an apostle, but it also, at the very least, it meant that they were well known because they were always around the apostles, always saying, what can I do for you, apostle? How can I help you today, apostle? What can I cook for you today, apostle? How can I help you along your way? Do you need a little money, apostle? How can I pay something for you, apostle? Can I fix it for you, apostle? What can I do for you? They were of note among the apostles riding shotgun with a revivalist. Then he said, greet Amphilus and Urbane and Stitches and Apelles. Also, they are proved in Christ. And salute also Aristobulus, his household, and Herodian and my kinsmen. And greet them that be the household of Narcissus and, and, and Trophina and, and Trophosa. Some people say they were twins. I don't like twins' names. Who labor in the Lord. Salute. Persis, who labored much in the Lord, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Rufus was so close to me, his mother was just like my mama. You talked about some people that were close to their apostle. There were some people there that were close to their apostle. Let's praise the Lord a minute. He went on to say, he said, salute Asyncritus and Phlegon and Hermes and Petrobus and Hermes and Philologus and Julia and Nereus, his sister, and Olympus. And go ahead, by the way, and just salute all the saints. <laughs> all the saints that are with them. <laughs> Of all the 26 individuals he named, 10 of these names were women's names. What would the church do without faithful women? Thank you, ladies. Thank you, women of God. And thank you, men of God. Woo. Oh, let's just praise the Lord. 
stand and say, I'm going to ride shotgun with my pastor. Shout to the top of your voice. Praise the Lord. Thank God. I have a revival, pastor. I'm not in a dead church. I'm not in a dead church. I'm not in a dead, stagnant group. I'm in a growing revival church. you right now let's lift your voice lift your hands the Holy Ghost is in this place right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to picture in my mind how big that front seat is because there's so many people riding shotgun with me, it ain't even funny. That's one big seat right there. I thank God for this church. We're not only going to have revival, we're having revival. We're not just going to reach the lost, we're reaching the lost. Hallelujah, and you're helping, and we're doing this thing together in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're doing this thing together in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I invite you to ride with me. I invite you to ride and teach a Bible study. I invite you to ride and dance up and down the aisles. I invite you to ride and be a part of the choir. I invite you to ride and be up here and play an instrument. I invite you to ride and be a Sunday school teacher. I invite you to ride and get in the prayer room. I invite you to ride and have mercy and don't talk about one another. I invite you to ride and be a Christian and do everything you can to build the body of Christ. I invite you to ride with me. Is your heart with my heart tonight? Is your spirit with my spirit tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's ride. He called Rosso Tore Maha. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Just do what you're feeling in the Holy Ghost just for a moment. We, we got a minute or two. There's something stirring. 
Go ahead, lift your spirit with the spirit that God's got leading this church right now. In the name of Jesus. Ha! Ha! In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you're with your husband, your wife, why don't you take them by the hand or whatever you want to do and say, let's ride. In the name of Jesus, you're by a brother or sister, go ahead, get something in your spirit that says, let's do this thing together. Let's make an impact together. Let's watch this world one soul at a time be saved. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I feel good in the Holy Ghost. Let me just say this since the the stage is set, and I might as well just say it. You know, I was watching when Bishop was up here, and he was talking about throwing Jezebel out the window. I was watching, y'all. Ain't nobody even liked it. Not that you liked Jezebel. You just didn't thought that was a little rough. I was watching. Let me tell you something. When you're doing the will of God and you're doing things, you can't always just purtify everything. And let me tell you, sometimes the man of God is doing the best that he can, but he can't smooth everything. Sometimes you just got to take care of stuff. So let's ride. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to do it as smooth, and you know I am. But come on, some things we just got to deal with, and let's take care of it. Let's not get bogged down. Let's have revival. Let's not allow ourselves to get focused on things. Let's have revival. Let's just keep on moving. Let's keep lifting, keep encouraging. Let's keep on riding, having revival. Hallelujah. I feel good in the Holy Ghost right now. One more time, will you just lift your hands? Lord, I thank you for this amazing church, this powerful church. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord, because I feel like their hearts are all knitted to mine. I feel such unity, and I feel such direction. God, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. I, I don't make that up. I can feel that. I don't have to deal with all the stuff. I, I feel a unified church, and it's a unified church. That's a revival church. I thank you for these revival people. I thank you for their heart to the kingdom of God. Now, God, go with us and go before us. God, guide our steps, direct our path. In the name of the Lord Jesus, lead us to the lost. Lead us to one another to lift one another and never tear each other down. In the name of Jesus, I pray, let us be the body of Christ, lifting one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah.